we've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, my name is Dean Moyer. I am the pastor of Connections and Spiritual Formation, or Growth, here at Lake Forest Westlake, and it is great to greet you all this morning. Thanks for coming and being a part of our Advent series. If this is your first time, I too want to say thanks for coming and and being a part of what's going on here at Westlake. I get the privilege of introducing this series, our series called Wonder. Well, I do need to make some clarifications. This is Wonder the Noun, right? It's It's the feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful or unexpected or unfamiliar or inexplicable. Not not wonder the verb, like, uh, I wonder what's going on this Christmas. It's not that one. It's more, it's wonder that you see in the eyes of someone who's wondering, like this little guy. Isn't that great? You want to do it, don't you? Here we go. Let's wonder. <gasps> yes, that was lame. <laughs> you need to watch that video again. Practice. Well, our aim this Christmas season in this series is to look at some familiar Christmas story characters of the Bible and see if we might be inspired once again, or maybe even for the first time, to wonder at the story of Christmas the story of God, to wonder at God's long-promised Savior, to wonder at God's choosing of a humble young girl to, to embody the Savior, to wonder at God's interest at, in us at all, to give us a certain hope, to, to wonder at the peace we can have, joy, to wonder and just simply worship Him. But let's be honest We're not all feeling it, are we? Christmas does none of that for some of us. There's no wonder the the noun. There's plenty of wonder the the verb. I I keep asking questions. I I, I wonder how, I wonder if, I wonder why. Those are real questions we face. It's interesting, in a study I came across this week, in 2017, there was a study done of, particularly of young adults, and do you know that this year, anxiety and worry and fear are among the highest levels in all of history. We're we're riddled with with fear and anxiety, and there's very little that is certain and hopeful. So, So what's the remedy? We'll come back next week, and Aaron is actually going to finish out the series. <laughs> not really. We're going to give a swing at it today. We're not going to wait. But before we do, I'd like for us to join together in prayer and ask for the Lord's help in our study. Well, Father, you who created the world for your glory, you who promised your Son to us and came as our Redeemer, you who are ever-present in us through your Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher today? Would you help us to see and then act on what is 
true so that we might not just simply be informed, but further transformed into the image of our Savior, Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, our character that we're going to look at today at is the character of Mary. Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus, began where some of us are today in that mode of wandering and questioning and fearing. But we discover in Mary's story, as we're going to look at today, this, this transformation of her heart from, from hopelessness, probably not, but certainly fear into hope. But let me show you what I mean. You know, it's interesting as you study the person of Mary that much of what we know about her comes from the book, the Gospel of Luke, which is the third book in, in our New Testament. In fact, it is thought that, that what we know about Mary actually came from Mary herself. For some think, many think, that Luke was the master interviewer. He, he was... He, he was uh, this investigative reporter that sought out eyewitnesses of what went on in the life of Jesus and then recorded them. Listen to what he says in the, in the Gospel of Luke, in his, his, his words. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to, to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So here, in the beginning of this New Testament book, Luke says he sought out eyewitnesses for what went on in these early days of these dramatic beginnings of the life of Jesus. We get a sense of Mary's intimate input into this story when we read it from Luke. See if you can pick up on it, Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or your Uh, It'll be on the screen for you. You can follow along as well. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, an angel of Gabriel was sent from God to the city of of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph at the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I I am a virgin. Who would have known these feelings? Who would have known this? Who would have known that her first response to this word from God was fear? She didn't begin with wonder, did she? Her confession to Luke was, I'm afraid. I was afraid. Her second confession that she makes to him, just at the end there, what what does she say? It's disbelief. She says, how can this be? It's kind of like, are you kidding? This doesn't make sense. I'm I'm not surprised at this first response to this traumatic event. When something happens to you and I that abruptly interrupts our life rhythms, These are natural responses, aren't they? 
Whether it's the birth of a child or the death of a parent or an unexpected job termination, maybe an illness that lingers. Fear and disbelief are ready companions, aren't they? They crop up quickly. They can distract us from what God is doing. We are presented with these new realities and all we can do is wonder why and how and if. Well, as the story continues, the angel of the Lord explains God's plan to Mary, and she responds now with, in verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Or we might put it this way. She says, I'm willing. But then we see what she does. She runs to the hill country where her cousin Elizabeth is. Maybe for some proof or some counsel or somebody help me. She runs. And this cousin, this elderly cousin, responds this way. Verse 42, she says. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Understatement. She screamed. And she exclaimed. With a loud cry, blessed are you among the women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her. To which Mary then replies with a prayer. We may have known this as the Magnificat, but it's a prayer to God. And she says, my soul magnifies you, Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he looked on this humble estate of a servant. And for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has he's done great things for me. Holy is his name. Then the rest of the prayer, she recounts this big story of God. She rehearses it in her mind and says it out loud. And she's saying this. She says what you and I can say in the face of things like this. She says, if this is God, and it is, and if God is like what he has done, and he is, then I can rejoice in him even though I don't understand it. Because God is good. So my fear, my disbelief, can be accompanied even with I am willing. Well, for the next nine months, Mary and eventually Joseph prepare for this birth of Jesus. Have you ever wondered what went on during those nine months? Their little town of Nazareth? I suspect that they've got a renewed interest in all those prophecies that they heard in temple year after year. I suspect they went back there and said to the priest, tell us more of those stories. Tell us about the coming Messiah. Tell us what it's going to be like. And I think during those nine months, she began this, this spiritual discipline of exercising the treasuring of God's promises. She began to collect them, began to build that storehouse within her heart, the truth of God, the truth of God literally growing inside of her. And then, just at the right time, 
the day came in the most unassuming and yet the perfect place. God had, God had taken on flesh nine months earlier within her, but now Jesus was born. And, and there were shepherds in the region out in a field, and they, they kept watching their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great oh, fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. And you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, you know it, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, the angels, they they went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, they they wondered the noun at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Again, through the eyes of Mary, if this is Mary's account of what went on, she tells us a little bit about her own journey of faith. Because the first time Mary heard this story directly from God through the angel, what did she do? Fear. Disbelief. But now, this second time, after this this nine-month journey of treasure-collecting, stories of God, remembering, she gets word from shepherds, outcasts, people you don't trust. And what does she say? What does she tell Luke she did? This time, it treasured up all these things and pondered them in my heart. Seems Mary's had a change, a change of heart. So what, what's made the difference? What, why so hopeful? The baby was born just like any other baby. It was hard. It was messy. It was painful. But somehow Mary had taken a nine-month journey from from fear to now real certain settledness and hopefulness. Hope that what was happening was God's unfolding plan was now enfolded in swaddling clothes in her arms. How did she move from fear to hope? It's a great question, but I want us to be careful. I I don't want to press this too hard. I don't think that specifically that's why this story is here, so that we can say, how do I get from fear to hope in six easy steps? That's not what this is about. But I do see a, a life pattern, something that I think might be helpful for us in our own spiritual walk. So some observations from the story that might help move us forward in our faith. 
So Luke records Mary did two things that I, that I suspect were more than just at this moment. I suspect they were, these were now kind of life practices for her. Said that first that she, she treasured. She treasured. We don't use this word conversationally too often, but, but if I were to ask you, most of us would come up with a very similar definition to Webster when he says, it's a place of gathering or, or collecting things of value so that they remain together. It's a wordy way of saying it's where we put items we prize or value. I really did try to get you an object lesson and have a treasure box up here so you could, a chest, but the several people that I asked didn't have one, so um, engage your imaginations. Isn't it beautiful? I know. It's, it's very, very nice. So what's the treasure? It, it, it could be just about anything that we put in there, right? It could be uh, wealth. It, it, it could be our, our children and, their, and your lofty dreams that they become a major league basketball player. It could be our friends. It could be, it, it could be status. It's, it's things we collect. The key is, here's the definition of stuff that we put in this treasure. The key is whatever it is, we will always pursue it. You don't use always very often, but the treasures, what we always pursue, is what we live for. Matthew, another writer in the New Testament, clarifies it for us. He, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart. You know that, right? It's where your heart is. What he's saying is, if you want to know who somebody really is, look in the treasure. If you want to know who motivates, what motivates someone check out their treasure. What has he gathered? What, what has she collected? What, what are they living for? Mary said she treasured these things. It, it becomes important that we know what these things are. You know, in public speaking and writing, you're, we're cautioned what? To, to not use the word things, Right? Because things can be anything, and when things are anything, they just become nothing, right? So don't do that when you write or speak, right? But Mary gives us a clue. Luke gives us a clue. He says what? All these things. Oh, there's something meaningful here for us, something to, to hang on when, she says, when they say that. Mary's connecting and collecting all these stories of God. Every word, every promise, the words from the angel Gabriel, the words from, from Elizabeth who shouted blessing on her, the announcement of the shepherds, and perhaps, and most likely, all of those prophecies that she'd rehearsed over the last nine months, rehearsing the scriptures that taught about this God with us day that was going to happen. All these things. Do you know some of these prophecies, these words she was ruminating on, occurred 700 years prior to their happening. Words like these from the prophet Isaiah. I want us to read them together. They're familiar words, but these are the all these things. Let's read this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A little later on in Isaiah, get this verse here, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And then other prophets, like like Micah, when, when he wrote, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me for me one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old and from ancient of days. All these things and many, many others Mary pondered in her heart. There with this treasure chest filled with overflowing of God's promises, God's actions, God's goodness, His embrace of the world through the gift of His Son, Mary pondered. So what's pondering? Another word we don't readily use. It's more than just more than just thinking, isn't it? It's more than that guy. The, the word, the Greek word for us, here, there it is. Timing is everything, isn't it? <laughs> the Greek word for here is actually kind of fun. It's the word sumbalo. Can you say that with me? Sumbalo. Sounds a little Italian, though, doesn't it? Not Greek. Sumbalo. But it's not really Italian. It's a, it's a very fascinating word. Because when we think of ponder, we kind of think of that guy. But it's very, very active. It's the placing together for comparison. That makes sense? When we ponder, we, we place together. This is something, those of you with the, the strength finder strengths of, of uh, relating and connectedness do, you, you put things together. That's a pondering exercise, right? You know how to symbolize. All these things Mary had stored up. I have this picture of Mary kind of sitting down with her spiritual treasure chest and symboloing. It's not really a word, but it works for us. And she pulls them out, and she's, she's comparing all these things, who God is, what he's done. Her treasure chest is just absolutely full, one by one, recalling the stories, comparing God's promises, his faithful commitment to those God said it, and, and he did it. It's who he is. I don't always understand him. And I'm often afraid. But I know, because of what's in there, that he's a good, good father. And everything about him is true. Everything about him. For the follower of Jesus, I'd like to broaden our definition a little bit to this. Pondering is the decisive action or practice of treasuring the glory and the goodness of God. Let that sink in a little bit. It's the decisive, something we choose to do, the decisive practice of treasuring the glory and the goodness of God. That should go on a refrigerator magnet. Pondering is not searching for God. it's, It's delighting in Him. Pondering is, is not trying to prove who God is. It's, it, it's resting in Him. 
Pondering is not this searching for answers. It's being satisfied with the mystery of God, even if we don't understand. Why? Because we trust Him. Mary treasured all these things and she pondered them in her heart. So when we come to stories like this in in Scripture, we, we have a decision that we have to make. We can look at this and ask, is this prescriptive or is this descriptive? And by that I mean, is it prescriptive that I've got to do this because if I don't, I'm wrong and I'm never... Dr. Luke said to do this, so go and do... It's the prescription to make you well. Or is it descriptive? Is it a pattern of spirituality and faith in the life of Mary that if we emulated that, if we took on those characteristics, we might enjoy the same benefits? So it's not a should and ought, it's it's a can, isn't it? I get to do this. So I think within these patterns that, that Mary has shown, I think there's something for you and I to take home today. So the questions we can ask, what are we treasuring? That's really the big question. When it comes to matters of our faith, what are, what are these things? What are all these things that we are treasuring? Are we treasuring God's amazing story of redeeming the world, becoming human in the person of Jesus? Is that, is that the greatest treasure? You see, the, all the other things can be kind of a sub-treasure, but the center of us, the, the primary treasure, He wants it to be Him. That's the treasure. Are we increasingly aware of God's activity in our lives and, and, and through our lives into the lives of others? Are, are we regularly identifying these God stories, both the big story of God and His story in our lives, so that they can become a treasure? See, we don't have to have the treasure full today or even, or even tomorrow. But the objective is to begin filling it. My confession this morning, uh, as I think about this from my own life, is my memory isn't very good. I, I forget names. I've met many of you for the first time, a second and third time. It's been wonderful. Thank you for smiling from last week. So it's, I forget where I put things. Some of you are smiling because you go, oh, that's me. Actually, the first one is probably you too because you haven't remembered my name. You know what I easily forget? I, e- I easily forget what God does in me. How God intersects in my own life. His kindness toward me. Oh, I might say, thank God that happened or, boy, I'm so thankful to God. But, but I move on. Those are treasures those are, the, those are all these things that God's doing to reshape us and mold us into the image of His Son. But it's soon forgotten. So I have to have something tangible. And I want to show you my treasure. It's this little book right here. It's called my journal. I've got stacks of them. Because each year I fill them with all these things. Things about Scripture. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> or... My interactions with some of you today, I've met with them. 
or my prayer list is in here. I'm praying for, for Mike. But you know what I do is, is I go back at some point with all these treasures and I ponder. I ponder what God has done. Because I've long forgotten him, quite frankly. Just because that's the way we are. We, we move on. And I ponder. And so I, I make the decisive decision to practice this by treasuring the glory and goodness of God by going back and occasionally, <laughs> I can't believe it, unbelievable, pondering anew what God did. Pondering takes some courage, it takes some intentionality, and it really takes some, some time to, to be quiet before him. Like anything we want to grow in, whether it's a, a, a sporting activity, an art, academics, our faith, there are practices that move us from point A to point B in our strength, Right? We've got to exercise them. Our, our faith muscles will atrophy when they're not exercised. And that's all this is, is to engage what God is doing in us, putting into practice the gift of pondering. So I know you're probably sitting there and you're going, I have no idea where to begin something like that. So I want to present to you a challenge, should you choose to accept it. As we've mentioned, today is the the first Sunday of Advent. It's the beginning of our preparations for Christmas. And this season offers to us a perfect opportunity to engage in a practice of treasuring and pondering. If you read your Bible a lot and you've been studying Scripture for a long time, this is a great challenge for you. If you've never picked up a Bible or you haven't picked up one in a long time, this is the perfect challenge for you. You see, Advent celebrates the beginning of the life of Jesus. This is the beginning of a of a long series of celebrations and seasons. This is the beginning. It's the perfect time. During this time, we can rehearse many of these same scriptures and promises that Mary did when she pondered and treasured the work of God. You see, Advent opens up in a storehouse of an all-these-things category, these promises, these truths about God which we can treasure. Advent also invites us to to look forward. There's more promises, you know. They're not over. There's another promise when Jesus is going to come again, but this time he's not going to come as a baby. He's going to come as a king to rule and reign over everything, make all things new. We live in the middle of that. So here's the challenge. For the next 30 days, this isn't a whole 30 things. Just relax. That was last month. You know, don't do that during November. Those are terrible times. Next 30 days, purposefully, purposefully treasure. Begin to gather all these things and decisively ponder. Those are the two things. Here's what it might look like, and I'll give you some handles to carry this home in. So, number one, purposefully treasure. What's that look like? 
Get yourself a journal, maybe on your phone, maybe someplace. Begin, begin to catalog, if you will. Begin to place in the treasure chest things of value you see God doing around you. Store up these treasures. Start collecting. Secondly, I know some of you have already begun. Today's the first day of an Advent calendar. Maybe you and your family can begin rehearsing, looking at the truths of God of Advent together, collecting them in your Advent family Advent time. Or maybe you personally said, you know, I haven't done a devotional type of thing in a long time. Advent is perfect for a, a time where you, maybe just for a few minutes a day you can step back and read scriptures about the season of Advent. So purposefully treasure. Second, the, second, the second thing we do is decisively ponder. So this, this is the choice that, that, we'll, that we'll need to make, that we decide to, to somehow either, as we sit with God during the day, as we walk with him throughout the day, remember, remember those treasures. Have it with you. Pursue the treasure. Align your heart with the treasures of God. One more step, and that is maybe you don't even know what to do with that. So what I've done is I have prepared a list for you. There are resources for where you can buy a journal, where you can get family devotions, where you can find your own devotional time, kind of some online resources. And if you will email me this week, here's my email address. Good, that was good. I'll shoot it right back to you. They're all ready just for you to begin. I know, I believe, that as we engage with the truths of God, we begin to treasure his truths and ponder them. Joy will be present. You see, Mary's practices of treasuring and pondering are helpful for us to, to light the way as we encounter our walk with Jesus. But my warning is it's not a magic bullet. This isn't six steps, as we mentioned before. Because, frankly, it won't eliminate all fears. It won't push away all your struggles. In fact, you may not even like Christmas. But it does hold a promise for grounding us in the certainty of hope. And it will lift your eyes away from yourselves to the glory of God and his goodness. And you may, and you may even begin to wonder. Let's pray.